0: Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each episode. I'm Christopher Mitchell.
1: And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about caffeine. isn't it it's sometimes miraculous sometimes heinous and always rushing through my blood essentially
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I have a complicated relationship with caffeine we broached this topic a little bit in I I a forty-seven on energy levels, but we purposely didn't go into the depths of this so that we could save it for this episode, and um, I, I'll get into that complicated relationship. But I mean, it is a hell of a drug. I think that that's worth mentioning. There's certain things that you kind of, you know, quote unquote, grow up with, where you're like, oh, I guess at a certain age you drink caffeine, and then you have beer or whatever. Like, there's certain things which are relatively sanctioned by society and those around you. And you're like, see, that's an acceptable thing. But I remember trying, you know, coffee or caffeine for the first time. And I was like, oh, this is like, this can get pretty intense. Like this is, and I, I of course, loved it. I was like, can I just like never be uncaffeinated again? Which is kind of, it's funny to look back. I was thinking before we recorded earlier today, I was thinking, you know, even if I told Chris from five years ago, like, you're not going to drink coffee anymore, I'd be like... I'd hit myself in the face and be like, snap out of it, man. Like, <laughs> you're a coffee lover. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more. But it's, you know, caffeine, the relationship that I you can have with caffeine, I think uh, can be a beautiful one, but it's always a bit of a complicated one. It's uh, certainly something which most human beings are reliant upon in some way. I know I still am in the form of tea or what have you, but- yeah. I, I think if without uh, stopping myself here, I'm going to end up going into a, a large tangent that will disrupt the way that we do intros. So, you know, I better <laughs> back away.
1: Back away. Well, Chris, <laughs> on a scale of one to full body caffeine jitters, how are you doing today?
0: Yeah. So full body caffeine jitters are the worst when you know you've overdone it. You, you're kind of just like, I feel like it's kind of like skydiving where you you knew it what it would be like in premise, but then when you're free-falling, yeah. you're like, did I was I looking for this? This is aggressive.
1: Yeah. Do you ever have that sensation when you've had too much caffeine where it's like your brain and face feel dry? That happens to me sometimes where it's like when I've really overdone it, it feels like I've sucked all of the moisture out of my head.
0: I honestly have no idea what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> 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 That's just like, I'm unlocked. I think it's like the combination of like dehydration from not drinking enough water plus caffeine. But if I'm feeling that sort of slight, I feel it right now actually, where like my nose and eyes feel kind of like slightly dryish.
0: I do know the tingle, the like, the kind of like if I over caffeinate and I'm a little bit anxious as is and like, you know, put in a little bit of neck soreness in there too or something like that, I can get a little bit of tingling going but I don't feel like a human raisin.
1: Dried <laughs> well, <out. laughs> I frequently caffeinate to the point of raisindom. So if you're in our group, uh, we're anxious about on Facebook, let us know if you know what the fuck I'm talking about, or if I'm just insane, because I'm, I'm actually really curious now if like raisin condition is part of caffeine consumption or if I'm just like really weird or both, you know, it's not, it's not it an either both. or paradigm, is it? though. <laughs> we'll <Anyway, say>
0: no <laughs> I don't want to totally disrupt that thought, but I will say, for the most part, when I've felt something which has felt like totally peculiar, uh, you want to be careful not to go to Dr. Google because that's a yeah. very dangerous road to go down. However, more likely than not, if you're experiencing it, somebody else has. It. It's just about finding that information. Right. Like sometimes if I'm like feeling something strange, they're like, Reasonable move. I'm a big Redditor. I've mentioned this a million times. And there's like a subreddit called Ask Doctors. And like you can ask there and like sort of see how insane you are. But like sometimes I've posted something in Ask Doctors, which I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who's ever experienced this. And like more often than not, someone who's like a mod or like certified in the chat will be like, yeah, that's like ridiculously common. Yeah. My point being, I'm sure somebody else has caffeinated to the point of raising them.
1: good yeah but i would also say don't take a single anecdote to also be a diagnosis because i've gone through that rabbit hole where like i for a while was experiencing some chronic fatigue like symptoms and i was watching a show where a woman was talking about how it feels to have ms and she described the symptom that i have in my legs exactly and i had a i had a Yeah, I had a a little while of panic and self diagnosis and all that. So I'm just saying, like, do take everything health related with a grain of salt.
0: The biggest grain of salt.
1: Yeah. And doctors. Yeah, good. You know, multiple doctors too. Don't just, some doctors are like, not good so you know it's always good to get a second opinion
0: professionals are still people it's always good yes. to remember that yeah you know? yeah and sometimes and it's not about like shopping around to find the answer you want it's just like sometimes it's like how wouldn't it help you to have a couple of opinions you know but
1: right anyway I, we're going so off topic <laughs> i was gonna say
0: i didn't i didn't even answer your question i just talked yeah. about full body jitters so to answer your question how am i doing today i'm uh, doing fine I'm at this like critical juncture where things are starting to open back up and new opportunities are coming and I'm getting new emails in my inbox and new things to look forward to. And I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to take some of the elements of Chris from the lockdown that I like, like m- the way that I could feel comfortable saying no and guard my own time and be comfortable in my own space and not feel like I have to do a million different things and not have FOMO and all these. I'm trying to figure out how to take those things that I'm really happy that I captured and, and bring this into this new space that we're mm-hmm. we're heading into. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I'm kind of in this, like, I want to make sure that I'm being deliberate about how yeah. I'm entering into this new space. And, you know, whoever's listening, whenever you're listening to it, if you're listening to it relatively soon, you're probably also, there's probably tremendous change going on where, where you are. And I don't know, you know, when you would have gotten vaccinated, dear listener, but I think That to me, I feel like I did a lot of things in the past based on intuition that I think went well. I was riding on a wave of energy that I think it was a good wave to ride, but I'm trying to be more conscious in the future of like figuring out what surfboard I'm going to use before I hop on the wave of energy, you know, just thinking a little bit more intentionally, if that makes sense. So that's where I'm at right now. But if I have to give a number, maybe. Honestly, probably like a three or maybe a four because I'm I'm a little stressed about trying to make sure that I don't enter back into frantic mode where like every day feels like I'm playing catch up on this horrible hamster wheel of life, and so that's what I'm working on right now. So nice, not a small task. So that's why it's a four. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I like the point you make about deciding what parts of you that you kind of cultivated during this year of like lockdown and quarantining and how to bring that forward in a way to integrate sort of the best of both worlds because I think we've spoken about this before is like not to make light of the suffering that has happened and is still happening in great numbers, especially right now in places like India and Brazil, which are really in like the throes of sort of the worst part of the pandemic Mm -hmm. for them. While not minimizing that, I think it's also important to Realize that nothing in life is black or white. Mm-hmm, and exactly. even something as awful as this, which leans towards the, let's say, you know, the awful side of the spectrum, there are still positive elements that you can take from it. It was a time where we all, as a collective world, except for the people who wanted to pretend it wasn't happening, were on the same page and had the same goal. How often does that happen? where like all 7 to 9 billion of us, I forget how many people actually exist in the world right now, but where let's say 70% of, you know, that 7 billion people or whatever are all kind of on the same page. They just want to keep themselves and their families safe. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. You know, that's so rare. And we I think from that there comes sort of a zeroing in on the self, and what's important to you because you kind of had to isolate from your normal whatever you would use to distract yourself you know That's going right. out to dinner with friends traveling a lot was what I would use to sort of distract myself and mm-hmm. you know give myself something to do and without traveling I kind of was forced to grow in a lot of ways and ways that I think ended up being quite positive for me but I It was really slowing down forced us to zero in on our identities, our priorities, and our likes and dislikes. And I think it also has given people with anxiety a lot of permission to be the people who they really are deep down without having to make excuses and justify and feel, you know, ashamed about their anxieties, you know, like Mm – It became okay to be like, hey, I'm actually not really comfortable with that. We became okay with discussing boundaries, right? Because everything became a risk assessment. You know, we were like, oh, well, if I go to this, you know, outdoor gathering, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Or if I go to, you know, this person's uh, house, I don't know how I feel about this. And it, it became okay to say no in a way where you, I mean, it was always okay to say no, but it became a lot more socially sanctioned to be cautious and hesitant and i think i hope that we carry that with us where we're going to be more accepting and tolerant of people's different comfort levels and preferences and be willing to kind of meet more in the middle anyway that was a really long tangent no
0: no no, not at all i think we will yeah i think people i hope people feel more comfortable being unapologetically themselves and yeah. uh it feels like a logical way forward but yeah well i think you know Whether that was going to happen near the beginning or near the end, that was bound to be a discussion that was going to come to the top at some point. So I'm I'm kind of happy we went on that little side tangent. But nonetheless, I don't want to break from tradition and not ask you about our scale. So, on a scale of one to full body caffeine jitters, going absolutely bananas. Uh, Oh, wait, not bananas, going absolutely (laughs) crazy. How are you doing today?
1: I'm pretty good. I'd say like a two. I'm in a really good mood because I'm doing my first post-vaccination flight and travel. Going to see some friends in Austin just for like four days. And that's why we're recording a little earlier than we normally do. But I am so excited. I just can't really express how much this kind of means to me. Like it really feels like Kind of coming back to a piece of myself, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And also, sort of, getting to reconnect with people because historically, I haven't lived in places where my friends live. I was living in Sofia where I had just a handful of friends and a friend moved. My best friend moved out of Sofia and it just felt sort of like a place with very few friends. And now I'm back living in California and all of my friends from high school have left, you know, so all my childhood friends are gone. I have some friends from blogging, which has been really great to, you know, see them and be around them. But I haven't gotten to see like my old core friends since you know COVID, obviously since we're all kind of scattered so this will be really nice it'll be kind of an opportunity to reconnect with like two parts of myself like me as a friend and me as a traveler you know those are like two parts of my identity that are very important to me and two things that i really structure probably the primary two things that i structure my life around you know is my friendships and my love of travel you know and It just feels really nice to be able to do something that kind of puts both of those aspects of my identity at the forefront and prioritizes them without like the kind of fear and hesitation that I would normally have, you know, not normally have, but have as normal from the past year and a half, you know. So I'm really excited for that. The only reason I'm a little anxious is I just didn't sleep really well and I tried to use caffeine to fix that and it didn't really work. You know, and we can just start to kind of slide right into the episode topic from here. But one point of my anxiety with caffeine is I think I kind of have this expectation for it to be a miracle drug Mm -hmm. and to solve all energy problems by itself alone, you know. And so this morning, I really struggled to wake up because I struggled to sleep last night. I was talking to Chris earlier about this where – Sometimes, I'm sure some people with anxiety can relate to this, you get into sort of like a bit of like a manic self-improvement mode. (laughs) I was just like binge watching all these, you know, mindset videos and getting like really into, you know, like mindset coaching and like setting all these goals. I was like, yeah, I'm going to like be on top of the world. I'm a new me. Yeah. And then like, yeah, I'm a new me. And then fall asleep at 3.30, you know. (laughs) Wake up at 9.30 and be like, no, I'm still me. What happened? I was going to be the newbie. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind of having a – what did I call it when we were chatting earlier? Like an ambition hangover. I'm kind of yeah. having, a, <laughs> yeah. I'm having a bit of an ambition hangover where I was really excited last night, stayed up too late, woke up, felt awful, and have tried to use caffeine to course correct, and it's like not – doing the miracle that i hoped it would do it's just like doing what it historically does which is slightly perk me up and make me not want to kill people um yeah. so
0: <laughs> yeah double clicking on that notion of like caffeine as i think i mean i still think of it this way i was going to say i used to but i still kind of think of it as like i kind of feel like i wake up and i am the tin man and then i have to go through like a number of like procedures to like, I don't know, stretch out a little bit, get some tea in me, check the news, take a vitamin D pill and a couple other things I'm just kind of like, I feel like I'm 78 until I like do a few different things. And then I'm like, okay, like I kind of feel like myself again. And caffeine is definitely one of those things that I use to like, I mean, I think it used to be to, I used to use caffeine to like amplify the energy I already had. and And now in some ways it's like, it's part of that ritual I have in the morning of like, you know, I make tea and like when that, when I'm done a big cup of tea, that's like when I start to get into some of my tasks for the day and things. So it's become very routinized for me, but I also feel like if we're using that probably likely quite poor analogy or metaphor of like the tin man, again, I do feel like that kind of is like the oil. It kind of like loosens me up Mm -hmm. or whatever. I should probably get into just a, like a brief history for no one who lists like, not like a, really heavy history because I don't want everyone to end this episode all at once with my (laughs) caffeine history. But just I'll give a brief sort of synopsis of where I stood with caffeine so people can understand my caffeine journey because it kind of has been a caffeine journey. But I I love loved coffee, still love coffee. I just don't drink it. And I've drank it really consistently until probably 2017. I was drinking a lot of coffee. When I was teaching in Istanbul, I was drinking like an ungodly amount of coffee, like thermos in the morning thermos in the afternoon but that's what you need to get through teaching and I won't back away from that Never. but anyways I noticed when I first moved back to Toronto in particular or really just like towards the end of Istanbul time there I was just like the jitters were hitting me in a different way and I started to like to the point where when I got back to Toronto I was like I think I probably like I'm just like I'm feeling too I'm feeling caffeinated without being caffeinated like I'm kind of waking up caffeinated kind of like that what we've talked about before where you wake up and you're kind of like already like you just go straight into like anxiety sort of. And anyways, I decided to take a break from caffeine in 2017 altogether. I didn't drink caffeine for three months, four months, something like that. And uh, it was kinda nice, I kinda normalized out of it. Uh, It was hard at the beginning, but basically I was getting panic attacks from caffeine and uh, particularly coffee. I was able to introduce green tea and then black tea into my life again and that's kinda what I drink now. I drink loose leaf tea that's like, I know where it's sourced from, it's good stuff. And, uh, and I drink that every morning. I kind of switch between green tea when I'm feeling a little bit like depleted, but I know that my tolerance for caffeine is gonna be that high today, maybe I'm already a little bit anxious. And I black tea is like the crutch when I'm like, I'm not feeling particularly anxious, but like my lord, I'm tired. Um, and that's kind of what I go for there. And the system's worked pretty well for me. I find cat like the one thing I really enjoy about the caffeine from tea is it It doesn't come in like a quick shot that you need to replenish three hours later to avoid a crash with more coffee. With tea, it's kind of like you just kind of feel more perked up and you don't notice the down from it. And I think I've right. talked a bit about that. But when I am feeling like extra anxious, I'll kind of go with the herbal tea because I think people really, really underestimate. Like you can feel caffeinated from some herbal tea because of certain properties like mm-hmm. I th- I'm pretty sure like ginseng, like there's certain cleansing things like dandelion root and licorice mm-hmm. root and that kind of stuff. I read a whole book on tea kind of about these different herbs Like, and they call like rooibos is like what they call like layman's caffeine. Like it's not actually caffeinated, but it it gives you like sort of a, a boost. Mm-hmm. Before I go into like tea connoisseurship, kind of I just wanted to paint that picture. Again, I don't want yeah. a mass uh, leaving, but I think it just sort of paints a picture of the last thing I'll say just from like a practical standpoint is that I found out that it wasn't necessarily just coffee it was something called like mycotoxins in a lot of coffee like the production the way coffee is produced not being like washed and clean a certain way so there's oh. a guy that i have in toronto who is like obsessed with this idea mm-hmm. and he produces coffee without mycotoxins and i can drink that but i just oh, don't wow drink it that i've much.
1: never heard of that interesting
0: yeah, so that's that's why I wanted to paint that whole thing because if there's somebody else who's listening who's like trying to figure out their own caffeine journey, if I had a Starbucks coffee, I would be sent into like off, like off yeah. color panic attacks for a number of days. Yeah. But I could drink a couple of cups of this coffee, which he's like big about this idea of mycotoxin. So I'm putting that all out there. People can figure out where they fit on that spectrum.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because I was going to talk about ginseng tea, because that's something that I really love. And I am a coffee fanatic. I've been drinking coffee since I was about 13 or 14, and I have probably spent – maybe a grand total of three or four months of my life, not drinking coffee on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And the breaks that I took from coffee were only ever. I had like one week where I just decided I should get off caffeine. And that was awful. And (laughs) the other times were because coffee was messing with my stomach because of anxiety This is not scientific. This is just my own theory is I feel like anxiety produces a lot of stomach acid. And when Mm -hmm. I would add the acid from coffee into the mix, I would get like horrible stomach aches, horrible stomach cramps, just like feeling like nauseous and awful. So there are times where I've had to step back from coffee and lean heavily on tea, like black tea. And black tea to me does basically nothing it's completely just a non-option for me and the caffeination thing it's just a beverage you know it really doesn't do much for me ginseng tea however is amazing so Mm -hmm. i drink this american ginseng tea the brand i drink is called like prince of peace i think it's a chinese brand it's a little expensive it's like 30 bucks for 100 bags but like It's amazing. It's really good. You know, and when you break that down into what that actually costs, it's what, like 30 cents a tea bag? It's not that big a deal. But it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's more expensive than your average, you know, black tea or whatever. But that's what I've started drinking in the afternoon. So I start my morning with coffee. If I really need to pick me up around noon, I'll have like one more shot of caffeine. And then if I need something, around like three or four or five to kind of get myself through the rest of the night. I'll drink a cup of ginseng tea and that won't give me the trouble sleeping that I have with caffeine. Now, I wouldn't drink Mm -hmm. a cup of ginseng tea at like 10 p.m. No. But like, you know, if I have it, you know, still several hours before I want to go to sleep, but I just need like a little bit of a livening up without like worrying that I'm not going to be able to sleep. It's amazing. I really love it. Yep. It's an adaptogen. So if you have any sort of like adrenal fatigue or thyroid, um, low thyroid function, or just if things in your body are a little bit sluggish, it can really help kind of normalize and neutralize those energy levels in a way that is different than caffeine. And okay, I want to get actually a little bit into the science of caffeine because I was researching this and I think it's really interesting so
0: can i say one quick thing before i just wanted to confirm you are correct about the idea of coffee and caffeine to a certain extent disrupting stomach sort of stuff i -hmm. had like i guess when i first moved back from istanbul my stomach was in knots partially because of anxiety partially because of getting a whole new diet with processed foods and stuff like that and basically i went to a like nutritionist or whatever and they were like while you are like dealing with stomach issues like you absolutely should not drink coffee or caffeine. So I just drank herbal tea for a long time. And then as far as like moving up to green tea was like kind of the step up from herbal to test how my stomach would go into it. And then I was able to move into like loose leaf black tea. And there's a difference again, technical sort of stuff here. But there are different methods like your standard black tea, the mass produced stuff from Britain is harder on your stomach. It's produced with a method that doesn't really maintain the leaves. So black tea with leaves that are actually dried leaves are are better for your stomach. And you're looking for herbs there. Like even like Peppermint can be a natural energizer and, and give you focus. A million things you wouldn't necessarily think of that are um, really effective in that. So, anyways, I'll pass it back to you, but I did want to just confirm you are right mm-hmm. that like coffee can be a disruptor for your stomach and, and caffeine right. as well if you're sensitive
1: and your brain. So, what I yes. wanted to talk about was I was reading an article on bustle about caffeine because I had read this somewhere else and I was trying to refresh my memory. So, this is, I'm just going to read a quote from the article that explains a little bit of what happens when you drink caffeine. So once caffeine gets into your bloodstream, it goes to receptors in your brain that usually host adenosine, a compound that builds up in you the longer that you're awake in order to tell you when to sleep. So this creates some faux energy because the caffeine replaces the adenosine in your system and thus stops your brain from knowing when to get tired and go to sleep. So basically, we have these little receptors in our brain that would just build up naturally over the course of the day to be like, okay, time to go to bed now so that we don't stay up and, you know, be meth heads minus the meth. (laughs) So what happens when you drink a lot of caffeine, it just basically like blocks the adenosine receptors, essentially. It's like a similar concept, it seems like, with serotonin, you know, with antidepressants and all that. So what happens actually with your brain is it gets confused. It's like, hey, why are these like adenosine receptors that like I built, you know, for a reason? Like they're not getting the input that I wanted, right? Like something's going wrong. So your brain makes more adenosine receptors. And so then you have all these receptors being like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired all of a sudden because you were drinking the caffeine. And so basically you kind of create a feedback loop where like coffee doesn't actually bring you to this heightened state. It just brings you back to normal. And the tired Mm. that you feel as an individual who consumes coffee is greater than... So pre-coffee you experiences more tiredness than a no coffee human being experiences tiredness, if that makes sense. So So basically the whole point of this is that a lot of what people think of as a, like a caffeine boost is actually something that researchers call withdrawal reversal. So basically, Mm. so say, you know, you're used to having caffeine at a certain or your brain at a certain level. When you become a chronic caffeine drinker, your energy levels go down as your baseline. Right. And then when you drink coffee, you're just going up, to your baseline. You're not necessarily going much above it. You're just going back to that baseline that people who don't drink caffeine are at. That blew my mind. I was like, "No, I'm not ready to accept this."
0: <laughs> well, that's that explains the like the what I was talking about before with the afternoon coffee with teaching or whatever, like I would get the coffee in the morning to like normalize and then get yeah. tired by lunch and then the the coffee like the coffee after lunch was like to get you through the afternoon and then you like pass out on the like and at that time I was taking a bus home or whatever, but it is interesting to think about that up and down feels a lot less to me with tea. Like tea for me kind of feels like this mm-hmm. to use the the horrible tin man metaphor again. Like I kind of feel I like get loosened up and feel like myself again. There's not really an up and a down and a crash from that. Um, in the same way as like coffee, I'll put it this way in the, in the world of caffeine, I think coffee is, is a lot more turbulent, um, for me. And I would love like, The allure to me of like being a suave Italian man who drank espressos left, right, and center, there's nothing I'd love more. But that to me is like, that's like an injection almost of caffeine. You're like, whoa, 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 you know? And yeah, that's interesting to think about though. It, It makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to get into the science behind it. Did you want to talk more about that? There was one thing I wanted to mention that I was doing a little research on before. No, go for it. It's not really anything too intense. But I did you know that like in the DSM-5, there is a subclass called caffeine induced anxiety disorder?
1: I had no idea. No, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So like I had no idea that that this was like a literal subclass. And, And so I was reading about it and it was Talking about how the consumption of caffeine has actually long been linked to anxiety, and I'm kind of reading and paraphrasing from what I've found here, which is really just from Wikipedia. I just I'll spare you the exact word for word, but essentially it's talking about how the effects of caffeine, you know, they increase activity within the sympathetic nervous system, and caffeine has been linked to sort of aggravating anxiety disorders or panic disorders, but really only for those who are predisposed to that. So it's not really a situation where you know, people who wouldn't normally experience anxiety. It's not as if caffeine will lead them to be, you know, an incredibly anxious person, and they wouldn't have had anxiety without caffeine. It's more for people who have like a genetic predisposition to anxiety. Like for me, I can speak to the fact that I didn't feel anxious. But eventually just I continued to drink coffee at the same pace. And my anxiety kind of got a little bit worse as I got a little bit older. And then eventually, Mm -hmm caffeine what would used to be a savior for me became a catalyst for anxiety because of my predisposition towards anxiety so that's kind of interesting and they the number that i did want to mention they mentioned that firstly i should mention in researching i saw a million different numbers about the different milligrams that would cause somebody to potentially experience anxiety they talk about caffeine usage around 200 milligrams or more could increase that likelihood for anxiety and panic attacks For reference, um, your average cup of coffee has about, I think, 40 milligrams?
1: 90, I think.
0: Oh, is it 90? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Your average cup of tea has about 40.
0: Okay. There you go. You double check that while I'm uh, continuing to talk, but I trust you. I could be totally wrong about that. But uh, I should also mention then that I read another report that talked about 400 milligrams, but kind of interesting to talk about those two things. One, it's really more for people who already are kind of predisposed to anxiety. And two, I don't want to cause like sort of mass panic around this. It, It really does seem to be about when people are getting into sort of excessive amounts of caffeine. So I could drink a little bit of coffee, I can drink black tea and green tea without almost any issue now. It's just more that if I took three to four shots of espresso, I would be guaranteeing myself a treacherous couple of days of anxiety. <laughs> you know, it's that excessive, that excessive use of and predisposition to anxiety that, that are kind of the, the main things there. But there's like, I'll tell you, if, if I mean, we can link to that Wikipedia page for people who want to get really into it. But it's like, it's a lengthy article and enough so that they would have included it in the in the DSM-5. And for people who don't know the DSM-5, we've mentioned it on the show before, it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition. And would you say that, that that's probably the authority for... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psychiatric diagnosis, right? Yeah, at
1: least in like the North American context. Yeah. That's what they use to diagnose things. I'm not sure about abroad what you know diagnostic criteria they use, but in the US, those that's what they would use to diagnose people. Yeah, so I quickly checked the caffeine numbers. So your average black tea is about 45, your average green tea is about 30 your average uh-huh. cup of coffee is about 95 and okay. but a single espresso shot is about 60 milligrams and typically an espresso drink that you would have like a cappuccino or whatever would have two shots
0: yeah, two, so that would yeah. be like
1: 120 so yeah. You can sneak up there like three cappuccinos in a day and you're almost at 400, which is sort of the right. Safe exactly.
0: So that's limit. that's what I should mention. Like they mentioned the floor being like 200 milligrams is when you could start to have that. But the other reports that I read, which makes a little bit more sense, is, is more like they were talking about more like 400 uh, milligrams, which seems to make sense to me that if someone like had a predisposition for anxiety, they might be a little bit of a coffee drinker, but four cups, like four cups to me, Back in the day it wasn't much, but you could understand if I drink four cups of coffee now, like you'd find me on a roof, like cawing like a bird.
1: <laughs> you'd be like, is he on PCP? No, yeah, exactly. Chris just had like two venti Starbucks coffees, which oh my gosh. I'm not a sensitive person to caffeine, but when I drink drip coffee from Starbucks, I truly feel like I'm on PCP. Right. I'm using that explanation very uh, that metaphor or whatever very loosely as someone who's never taken PCP. <laughs> I think it's yeah. probably a little more intense than a Starbucks coffee, <laughs> but not by not by much, because that shit is wild. And I'm someone who will regularly drink maybe three to four shots of espresso in a day. Caffeine from or Starbucks drip coffee. I don't it's know. It's another what they level, do. right? It's another that's you know, that's like playing on extreme. You know, it's it just is like it is it's wild. That's to me like the nuclear option. It's like, yes, <laughs> I don't really like Starbucks very much. Like, it's fine. I like their like chai tea lattes and some of their snacks are OK. I don't think their coffee is very good. It's fine. I'm from Northern California, so I'm I'm a Pete's girl. You know, we love Pete's over here. So they're like, Starbucks has never really quite gotten into my psyche the way that uh, they've managed to do in a lot of the world. <laughs> I'm not a big Starbucks person, anyway. But when I travel, sometimes I'll have Starbucks, and it's like I know that if I have coffee, like drip coffee from Starbucks,
0: caffeine sweats. You're getting the caffeine it, sweats.
1: It, it, it's gonna be a journey, whatever happens, it's gonna be wild. And but meanwhile, it's funny if I have like you know just like a cappuccino from them, no big deal, I'm fine have a drip coffee from them bonkers shit wild bananas bonkers i'm just crazy
0: <laughs> i think i told you i don't know if i told you this story I, i'm almost positive i mentioned this story in the energy levels episode about turkish coffee did i did i ever mention this to you uh mate I, I mean who knows at this point i might need we're more, like, i think
1: i'm probably gonna need more context like have I ever mentioned okay. Turkish coffee? Okay, so just go ahead yes, and tell fair it again because maybe, fair enough. Fair
0: enough. Okay. maybe
1: I've heard of it. Maybe our listeners haven't.
0: Okay, fair enough. So when I first moved to Istanbul to go to my new school, we were staying at a hotel in central Istanbul. And at that point, I just didn't know the difference between Turkish coffee and normal coffee. So Turkish coffee, it's like thick. It's... Absolutely caffeine laden. You like basically if you're at a cafe in the streets of Istanbul, you would drink like a thimble of it, like not quite a thimble, but you you drink a small cup, which would come piping hot, and you leave the grounds in the bottom. You would not drink the grounds that you know, just not a smart idea. So, not knowing really any of this at this point, I fill up like a North American sized thermos with Turkish coffee. (laughs) and I, like, proceed to drink the entire thing on the way to my new school. And so I arrive (laughs) at my, like, new school, and I'm, like, absolutely wired, like, incredibly wired, like, caffeine through the roof. I'm, like, meeting new people, like, meeting the people who hired me to come over there. Like, hello, it's great to meet you. Like, just, like absolutely wired <laughs> and like the new school they, they like we go in this auditorium and they just like don't really have great air conditioning in there and i just start to break a sweat and then my anxiety kicks in full blown and at this point i didn't really recognize what anxiety really was i just kind of thought i was wired beyond belief but i start to panic about being so caffeinated that i'm going to start sweating and be unable to stop sweating So then I start to fulfill that where like I start to sweat because I think people are looking at me sweating, but this is really just a wild caffeine delusion gone. Like if you want to look at the milligrams there, like I'm over a thousand mils, like it was an out of control amount. So eventually the back of my head starts to look like a mop, probably. And I like get up and like walk (laughs) down the aisle, which is filled with my new administration. Okay. And I'm like, It looks like I'm panicking to be at my new school, but they have no idea that I've just ingested the world's highest amount of, like basically someone just gave me speed. Like that's what it felt like. So I'm like hoping people don't notice, I'm like pouring sweat and like go to the bathroom my new school, basically go into the bathroom and like run like paper towels out of the distribution mechanism in that bathroom and like try to wipe down my self able to like, I finally like take a deep breath, gather my composure and go back in there. But like Bree's looking at me like, are you okay? Like my new coworkers were like, I mean, thankfully we met one of them before, but they were basically like, are you like perishing right now? Are you going to be all right? But that was my introduction to my new school. Again, probably one of these situations that's so much more intense in my own head, but I remember it like yesterday. And it's just one of those funny stories that I I will never forget that moment where, you know, like where anxiety becomes an amplifier and like yeah. you're convinced of something with certainty. You're convinced like there's a, a presentation going on that, of course, everyone's paying attention to, but I'm convinced that people are slowly watching the back of my head go wet. <laughs> it's like, why would anyone be watching that? But I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's wild. I, too, have a slightly less intense Turkish coffee story where... I was visiting the East Coast from the West Coast for the first time, looking at schools uh, because I was planning on going to school out in New York. And I was feeling a little tired. And after dinner, you know, they're like, we went to a Turkish restaurant. And after dinner, they're like, oh, would you like a cup of coffee or something? And I was like, yeah, actually, that sounds nice. I think I'm so tired that like it's not going to do much to me. So that was a mistake. (laughs) And hours later, my dad and I are stuck in like the world's tiniest hotel room. Like, you know, New York hotels are freaking bonkers. So we paid like $300 for a room that was like the size of a prison cell with a toilet you had to like step over and straddle to access the shower. It was a very New York experience because we booked kind of late So we didn't have very many options and we like had this, you know, my dad was like passed out asleep on the other, you know, the other side of the room. And I was like, so anxious and jittery. I was like, I will explode and die if I don't walk around right now. And so I just paced around the hotel until three in the morning, just like (laughs) feeling like a maniac and then finally came back to bed and eventually was able to fall asleep at like three in the morning. But yeah. Yeah. It was wild.
0: Yeah, the Turks may not be big drinkers, but they on the average Turkish person drinks ten cups of tea per day. Right. And then plus a little bit of Turkish coffee here and there as well. So it's a well-caffeinated. I was no longer confused about how they could rally behind different movements in such a heartbeat. I was like, they're so caffeinated, they're ready to yeah. go. Well, the no wonder the they can stadiums, make
1: rugs so fast too. Like they can man. Like, oh, yeah. Rug done. Next. Oh. Hand painted tile next.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like, I often wondered. I went to football matches there and I often wondered. I was like, I mean, like in North America, like the most rowdy fans are the ones that happen to be the drunkest. They're like, woo, go make believe. You know, like, uh, but there it's just like, it's a caffeinated intensity. So, anyways, yeah, I'm happy we shared those tales. But uh, I guess that would be the surgeon's general warning be- beware of Turkish coffee. It has uh, a <laughs> But actually, you know, to turn it into a tangible point and not just make it a a giant tirade, I think it's worth thinking about different caffeinated beverages under different lenses, right? Like understanding what you're actually ingesting is super helpful because I'm Mm -hmm. able, if I know that I'm really sensitive that day, I'll just go, I'll do like a cleansing green tea with pomegranate or something like that or or ginseng, you know, green tea with ginseng or something like that or, you know, something which just isn't going to be really, really hyper intense. And understanding the different beverages and the different caffeinated effects you're going to have, it's really helpful because you might accidentally drink like yerba mate or like matcha or something like that, which is, can be intense with caffeine, but you assume because it's like green and bubbly and fun, it's not going to like lay you out, but matcha can be, you know, intense with caffeine. So actually having this understanding is very helpful and my other, you know, Thing would be to, to learn to really respect some of those herbs that like we are taught, at, at least in North America, I should say that anything without caffeine, like it's not going to get you going. But like, that's just not the case. I mean, ginseng for ages has been used for focus has been used for all of these things. So understanding some of these herbs, doing some research on your own and figuring out what's helpful, and how to ingest caffeine like, I thought when my stomach was going crazy, and my anxiety was going crazy, that I was going to live life without caffeine and it was a I'll be honest a devastating couple of months but it wasn't the case it was just finding the right ways to get caffeine including getting coffee for me that was you know not nuclear Starbucks but you know the appropriate stuff for me if that makes sense.
1: Right and I think just to continue a point on like the herbs and herbal medicine and stuff I think a lot of the time In Western society, because of just like the impact of like the pharmaceutical industry and the great marketing job they've done, we've kind of forgotten that plants can be extremely medicinal and extremely Mm -hmm. powerful. And caffeine being one such example of an extremely medicinal and complicated and interesting plant, you know, but aspirin, That's literally just willow bark. That's just the salicylic acid that comes from that just literally comes from a tree's bark. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And like we've gotten really good at like really kind of just like separating that and being like, no, no, this is medicine. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff is also medicine and has been used as medicine by indigenous peoples and by, you know, Chinese culture and Asian cultures have really have such an expansive view of medicine and plants in their role of medicine. And, you know, we're finding out so much about all sorts of different things that the Western world classifies as like drugs and recreational drugs. But, you know, there's so, so, so much research about how incredible different cannabinoids can be THC as well as CBD and CBNs, and also guarana
0: and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's a ton of different things. So I continue, yeah. but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And there's a really good soda in Brazil that's made uh, what, called guarana that I think has is just filled with that, and it makes you a little yeah, picky. yeah. But it's really good.
0: Apparently, parsley stuff like that too. Like it's, really? things. yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know
1: parsley. Also, you know, we're learning more about the potential impacts of like microdoses of psychedelic mushrooms combined with talk therapy, how that could potentially be incredibly useful. Psilocybin, yeah. So all this is to say I'm not really landing on any particular side of the debate. You know, I've had Mm -hmm. good and bad experiences on all sides of the equation with both Western medicine, with what you know the North American political context would classify as drugs, you know, and I'm just here to say that that's all kind of made up categories, when a lot of these things are just literally plants, you know what I mean? And it's just like, we're just putting things, like we're putting medicine, herbs and drugs into like totally different categories when like, that is not the factual reality that is just how we as a society has classified things. And I think it's just interesting to kind of question the categories that we've been served and wonder whose interests are they protecting? You know what I mean? Like yeah. the pharmaceutical yeah. industry, I'm going to get a little California for a second, but the pharmaceutical industry has spent so much money on ensuring that marijuana stays criminalized because it's, such a potential cure all for a lot of things it's cheaper to grow it's easier it's you can't patent it because it's a plant you know so pharmaceutical industries have spent a lot of money ma- making sure marijuana stays illegal and criminalized and i think you have to be very careful with thc if you're a person with anxiety i know that i'm extremely susceptible to it and have to really moderate the amount that I take and really, which is mm-hmm. why I think that legalization is so great because I'm actually able to control how much I consume. You know what 100%. I mean? It's like when I was a kid and just, you know, smoking whatever weed I could get my hands on, it was like, who knows? You know, it's like I could be having five milligrams. I could be having a hundred, who knows? But Now I can just buy gummies with a predetermined amount and choose exactly how much I want to consume for the effects. And if I ever have too much, I can be like, oh, I didn't like how that makes me feel. So next time I can have that much. It's not, you can't do that when you're just smoking Be like, well, I'm only going to inhale for three tenths of a second next time, you know?
0: That's right. That's, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like passionate about this kind of stuff and we've talked about it a lot outside of just this podcast, but I totally agree with you. To me, what was going on before was just like, this is weed, you know, and it's just like, this doesn't make sense. There's so many, as far as marijuana is concerned, there's different types um, there. You know, you're talking about indica and sativa and hybrids and all kinds of stuff that you're looking for. We're able to have conversations about, yeah, exactly. Like THC is going to be that ingredient that is going to make people potentially a little bit more anxious. Whereas CBD is typically the calming ingredient. CBD is known to... Um, be extremely helpful for calming people down it's great for body for relaxation for i think inflammation to some extent as well i think what was going on mm-hmm. before was very was wild westy to the point of being like to me it's the yeah. exact equivalent of like people were like hey try some alcohol and it's just like you have no idea if it's 40 percent or it's 40 percent alcohol or it's a beer that's five percent that's kind of the same thing that was going on where it's like here there is weed smoking it doesn't doesn't make sense not to provide the public with that information to make educated decisions on those sorts of things. And um, I know plenty of people, right. like the stereotype of the like degenerate weed smoker who's on the couch permanently, doesn't quite make sense. I mean, a lot of the people I know who, who recreationally use cannabis are like, they're literally using CBD because they're trying to wean off of potentially like, I'm like, not necessarily opioids, but things which are bringing them down, they become relying on medication to sort of knock them out in some respect, even sleeping pills, whatever. I've had friends who have used CBD to, to help with their sleep, as opposed to relying on a medication Mm -hmm. and and who, who could argue that something like something natural, I think we can all argue is going to be able to trump uh, something that's made in a pharmaceutical facility. I think the point you made was so valid about understanding that like these pharmaceuticals are all really just coming from the traditional herbal medicine that, that, that's that been formalized and packaged and marketed. And so, you know, it's just, just an interesting side tangent to bring up. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect to go to all these I'm different not, places with s- but... Yeah, I know. Yeah, go Sorry, ahead. I just
1: want to add the caveat. Like, I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals. Like, pharmaceuticals yeah, yeah.
0: have no, no, no,
1: completely no, no. changed my life and given me the ability to function at a level that I wouldn't yes. have. I'm very grateful for, but I am also very wary – I separate pharmaceuticals and big pharma, big pharma being like the industry that's like for pharmaceuticals at all cost and potentially against human health in pursuit of profit versus pharmaceuticals as a concept, which can be extremely helpful. So I just wanted to quickly make that distinction because – I don't want to seem like I'm going on a tirade against things like medicine. I think medicine is good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, th- I think that's a really important point to make because it, it can be easy to go off the chain yeah. here and, and be like, and be like, and join it. Yeah. We've joked before about starting the commune be like, come join us. We're, you know, like we have lots of willow root and like, we'll be fine. Um, it's definitely not that case. I too, you know, I'm relying on, there's some medications like my, I take a medication for my stomach when I needed that. I, you know would not be able to uh, function the same way without, I'm extremely grateful for modern medicine. Of course, you know, to go full circle, how things we started to talk about at the beginning, I mean, the vaccines and so forth, right? Like how grateful do we have to be for that? I think uh, it's important to that we shout from the rooftops that we are not anti medicine. And with anxiety, too, I think I I don't think either of us is anti medicine. I think we're both pro whatever works well for you. And it's just about understanding what that looks like for you. And mostly, I think most episodes, this one in particular is sort of like we are on different sides of a spectrum, uh, in some regard. And it's like, we both have figured out oh, something that works well for us, and people can listen along and figure out what works well for them ultimately. You know, it's like I listen to a lot of podcasts about stocks and finance and stuff like that, which gets me excited like caffeine sometimes. And the end of the episode, they'll often finish with, like, we are not advising you to go out and buy stocks. And I think like it's the same thing with this podcast, right? It's like, it's not like we're telling everyone to start to freebase ginseng or something like that. I think it's just like you figure out what works for you. Although, I mean, I, I really would underline, like ginseng is the gold standard of herbal medicine that's great for you. So do it's explore really that.
1: nice. I mean, yeah. yeah, research it, make sure it's right for you.
0: Yeah. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not me, saying do it, but I'm saying do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's been really great. It's been something that has really helped fill the void of like the 3 p.m. cup of coffee that my body deeply craves, but is so bad for my there sleep. Because that, I think, just to wrap that up, that I think is another place that we didn't touch on. So I'll just go on it really quickly because this Please. episode is ending up way longer than we expected.
0: I know, I know, I know.
1: One of the things where, for me, anxiety comes into play with caffeine is overconsumption leading to a lack of ability to fall asleep, which leads to anxiety Mm -hmm. about the lack of sleep you're getting and anger at yourself for getting yourself into the cycle of consuming caffeine, even though you knew it was going to mess up your sleep. Or also what I've done from time to time is like the caffeine powered all nighter followed by like several days of crash. Those can be some real anxiety peaks that are difficult to climb back down into the valley from. So I just wanted to quickly bring that up because that can be, that's actually a big part of where my caffeine anxiety comes from. It's not from the caffeine itself, which my body tolerates fairly well, but because I'm someone who's already prone to the side of insomnia, it can really exacerbate that situation if I don't moderate my consumption. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a good point too. That's just something I'm the exact same way. Um, Sometimes I'll need a little bit of tea or even sometimes coffee in the afternoon or what have you. I just figured out what that breaking point was for me. And it's really just after 4 p.m. I'm playing with dangerous territory. Same. Before 4 p.m. I'm pretty good. So I would encourage people kind of like with this whole episode to figure out what works for them. Yeah, figure out figure your out time your period. Is. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about this a lot in the falling asleep episode, but there are a few places I hate more. Uh, and by the way, I'm talking about for, for reference, Alice and I are planning on to do an episode on falling asleep. We just can't pair it yet because we're worried about the effects it will have on insomnia. That place that that, I hate, that place where you're like, you've over caffeinated, you went for it anyways, and you can't really do anything else. So you know you need to go to bed, but you like lie in bed endlessly. It takes hours and you're like, it's just a horrible ride. I have strategies for that too, with like ways that I focus on rest, et cetera, which I'll talk about in the falling asleep episode. But um, when we can avoid that place, uh, let us, let us avoid that (laughs) place because it's not a, you know, that's not a fun place to be where you're. And like the other thing too is like, you never want to put yourself in a position where you can. We do enough blaming of ourselves when it's not warranted. In that case, it kind of is warranted. Like, you don't want to give yourself that, like, oh, past Allison, you failed me. You knew this would happen.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Oh, wow, well, this got long. This got pretty yeah. long and, and hefty. I mean, we had a couple of tangents in there, but I think they were all useful. It was
0: related. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was related. I didn't expect to get so... I didn't know we had the medical chops to even talk about this. I mean, it seems like we both. We don't. We, no, for we the don't. I mean, we, we, we don't. Like for the like, record, we don't have the medical chops. I guess I didn't. I didn't know we had the medical chops to seem like we had the medical chops potentially. Right. So right.
1: yeah. You didn't know we were good at pretending to be doctors.
0: This is it. Well, I've, you know what? Like all of our episodes, they are based heavily on experience. We've drawn some some learned lessons from it, and people can sort of disseminate those lessons for their own enjoyment, perhaps benefit, hopefully benefit. But you know, we are not coming out here with like. Hammurabi's codes put into the stone here, etched in as law. Uh, you do what do you know you do well for yourself. I don't know why that reference came to my mind there, but right. I think it's been overnight. Yeah, I
1: don't now. understand the reference, but I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> All right. I, I was gonna elaborate so, on it, but Chris, let, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have anything that you're patting yourself on the back for this past week to sum up our episode today?
0: So Yes. Yes, I do. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to go off the cuff a little bit. I had one that I was going to say, but I, I'm, you know, what? honestly, there's a task I've been putting off forever. And it was largely like, I don't want to get deep even logging stuff, but I'm redesigning a site that I founded like four years ago and I just haven't gotten around to it. And I finally got around to doing that. I often think about tasks like that as like, there are often tasks which we put off for so long that there's like an enormous buildup of kind of almost like water behind it, that if you can get that task out of the way, a waterfall can kind of instantly appear as far as the way that we can move forward with things. So like I, I think in a, in a lot of ways, this last task of redesigning things and getting to that place was kind of like a dam that was affecting the progress of, of all of behind that. And I feel like I'm finally getting to the place where I'm actually, I'm attacking this Damn, and opening it back up and and kind of getting the flow of water going again. And I I think, you know, the reason I mentioned that is because I think I can be prone to do that. Something has a big buildup. I ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And then it's almost like once you do it, you're like, why didn't I do this like two years ago or whatever it is. So I'm excited to actually be tackling that. Just for the sake of not being weird, I am going to mention what Hammurabi's code is. It was a code (laughs) of laws that it was something like, 250 or 300 rules that were etched into stone and for an ancient civilization they found this big stone and it was it was all about like transactions and trade and stuff like that as far as i know someone who's a big history buff will probably correct me more but i just felt like i had to go back to that to not seem like i'd lost my mind (laughs) so that's where i'm going with that
1: Otherwise, you were going to be anxious about Hammurabi's code next week. And then exactly would lose all of our listeners. So you just had that to get that right. out there and exercise that. That's right. 100%. That. Okay, okay. But it. let's focus more <laughs>
0: on the fact that I finally tackled a task, which was acting like a dam for progress, generally speaking, in that whole sort of area of my life.
1: Nice. That's great. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think of what I'm patting myself on the back for. You learned
0: about Hammurabi's code.
1: Yeah, sure. Perfect. Done. Bye. Um, (laughs) See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I've, I guess I just kind of want to celebrate something not specific, but just like cumulative. I'm just kind of realizing like I've been in therapy for over six months. I've been doing some mindset coaching for over six months and just kind of reaching some milestones with that realizing a lot of, like, my negative self-talk and interrupting that, working on reframing all of my negative thoughts and trying to move to more neutral or positive territory. And, you know, I – it's interesting. For a lot of my life, I kind of have identified as, like, a misanthrope who hates people and is grumpy and that was sort of like my armor and my self-identity, right? It's like, uh-huh. well, I already hate people. So if you hate me, it's fine because I already hate you. You know, it was kind of like a weird like <laughs> – Sure. It was almost like an armor against people pleasing in a way. I don't really know how to describe it. but no, it makes sense. But I'm realizing that I was kind of an optional identity that I took on, like a self-protective thing and – Maybe, like, I'm just kind of working on, like, undoing a lot of the assumptions that I made about myself, questioning whether or not they're helpful and just kind of trying to, like, I don't know, just, like, move forward in understanding who I am and what has value to me and what kind of person I am and what I'm interested in and just not really taking previous self-story as fact because a lot of it is just, like, we tell ourselves certain stories to... Benefit ourselves essentially to make sense of the chaos that is life and mm-hmm. make sense of traumas and histories and regrets and actions. And it all comes into, you know, a story. And we can kind of choose to rewrite and work on parts of that story that aren't really getting us where we need to be. So, just to bring that into why I'm talking about it today, is when I was I was kind of going over some of my financial stuff for last year, and I was able to reframe a thought that was very negative to a thought that was, like, very positive. And the numbers were the same, essentially, yeah. but the story that I was making was very different, you know? It's sort of like – and I just – I, I'm kind of having a sense of deja vu. I may have talked about this in the previous wrap up. Sometimes I get a little confused about when we record and because I do so many Zoom calls. No, it's okay. And stuff. I mean,
0: firstly, if we record bi weekly now, but whether or not you spoke about it before, you certainly didn't touch in depth about the idea of sort of reaching those milestones. You didn't talk in depth about reframing the the story I, you mentioned like sort of looking at, uh, gathering stuff for taxes and all that kind of stuff but I, you I don't think you had gotten to the point yet where you had reframed the number to be right. mean something more to you that's I mean right someone else can correct me if I'm wrong but that's kind of what I recall from it but I totally also right. understand that because I the two-week bi-weekly recording is a little bit more difficult but yeah all that to say what you just said was both meaningful and primarily yeah you know you had mentioned that before
1: Primarily new information, which is yeah, okay, exactly. Well, anyway, yeah, just instead of focusing on like a loss, which is what I had done before, being like, Oh, in 2019, I made this, in 2020, I made this. I was like, Oh, in 2020, I made this, and in 2021, I made this, you know, because obviously the global circumstance of 2020 was not super conducive to travel. So, 2020. Not the best numbers. Not the best. But rather than like comparing it to past me and beating myself up, I compared it to present me and was like, wow, look how much I've grown. And that was not something I think I would have been equipped to do a year ago. I think I would have just flagellated away about that, you know, about that loss, you know, instead of thinking about where I've grown to. And just being able to make that shift is because it's all, you know. I think one, just quickly, one common misconception with like mindset work is that like you're you're telling yourself to believe things that aren't true, you know, sort of like with like vision boards and like manifestation sure. and like the secret and stuff. Like yeah, I don't believe yeah, in yeah. any of that. But I think there is a way that we can kind of identify these cognitive biases that we have and work to provide our brains alternative evidence because we can really interpret most things either way if we're looking at something that we perceive as binary. We can actually probably shift things because our brains are only one way because of a specific bias we already have. And I think we can kind of learn to see things from different biases and different perspectives that are just as equally true. But our brain was just focused on a particular story of ourselves. if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great note to wrap up on. And yeah, it brings up a lot of good points. Something I'm thinking about more, trying to continue to think about. But I mean, the last thing I'll say about that is just, I think when you start to interrogate your thoughts as just thoughts and not necessarily true or false that's a, a right. helpful stance to take because mm-hmm. i think for a lot of my life i just assumed that what was coming into my brain must be true right and that's not always the case uh, and in some cases it was the opposite of true so that's right. um right plenty of work to be done and i also think for all listeners whatever age you are i mean this is not like something where uh, something i like when I was a kid growing up, I kind of assumed that you reach this age where you're like, and then you're fully formed, like you are a fully formed human being, yeah. and that just never happens. So there's always room to grow. I fully expect to continue to be learning and growing and understanding myself for uh, you know for as long as I live. For every every day, I, I expect mm-hmm. to, to be doing that work. You know, always a work in progress. But that's that's okay. That's not. I don't think that that's a negative thing anymore. I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy with that right. because it's you can think of work in progress as like. I'll never be fully formed or you can always think of it you can think of it as sort of uh, in the growth mindset idea that you're you're right. always trying to improve and and refine and get a little bit you know hopefully a little bit less anxious and just kind of a better yeah. version of yourself every day
1: or even like I'll never be fully formed and that's awesome you know what I mean yeah. like there's nothing yeah, wrong a good with point that too. being because if you are fully formed. What the hell else are you supposed to do? With <laughs> yeah, your exactly. life? Just like accumulate right. objects, like a golem with no like self improvement <laughs> yeah. goals. That's you called know? narcissism.
0: Like, you know. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> like if you actually achieve this end point of being a perfect human being, then then what do you do from there? You know, that seems to me like a very strange place to be, and kind of separates you from the rest of society who's like working on improving themselves. You know, I'd rather be working on that than be at the arrival point, supposedly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Let us cheers with our ginseng tea to that notion, to never being fully formed. (laughs) Clink, clink.
1: Amen. (laughs) Well- Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I don't know about you, Chris, but now I'm really craving a cup of caffeine. So I think I need to go Me too. Pour... Yeah. It's only it's only one thirty here, so like I think I'm gonna pull the trigger on um dose number three of caffeine because I have like two shots in my morning coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's
1: time for shot number three and then follow that up maybe with a ginseng tea in a couple hours. That's well, my caffeination. Exciting. Journey. I
0: think I'm I think I'm probably gonna I've actually again. I don't want to go back down Tea Avenue, but there's a great tea shop around me, and they make a, a green tea with kombucha. That's like it's like Ooh. literal like fermented, and it's kind of kind of neat. I might make just a, a cup of that. I don't think I can avoid it now. Let's hope I'm not uh, Chris at one in the morning. Like, why did you do it? Four thirty <laughs> p.m., Chris. But time will tell.
1: Yeah, well, I think green tea is a it's a light yeah, it's a different. It's a different it's a light. It's a different of caffeine. Exactly, I think you'll be all exactly. right.
0: I think I'll well, be all right too.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed it with a beverage of your choice, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And we hope that that beverage of your choice didn't make you anxious. And <laughs> yeah, for sure. if it did, we have 54 other episodes for you to listen exactly. to if you just want to like, uh,
0: spaz yeah, <laughs> out with
1: us for a bit. That's all good. <laughs> we got you. <laughs>
0: exactly. exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this one. I enjoyed recording. It. I think it was fun. Yeah, this and, is fun. It uh, went different
1: avenues than I expected, but it was fun. Exactly.
0: I like different avenues. They're always good. Take care, everybody. All the best. And we'll catch you soon.
1: Great. Thank you. Have a good week.